G'day guys. Hey. Carry on, Smithy. Smithy was halfway through a conversation before we wanted to start recording, and we thought it might be a good way to kick it off. Yeah, well, just a couple of dudes talking about parasites. Yeah, yeah, and well, detox. And... We're a bit excited about. Uh, we're going to talk detox today. Yeah, and uh, so we might be putting the uh, horse in front of the cart a little bit. But I just went off on a little tangent while having a chat uh, before the show. Hang on, and... that's that's what happens. The horse goes in front of the cart. You mean the cart? The cart. Yeah, the horse. there you go. Yeah, well, that's how confused I'm about this. <laughs> yeah, that's how out of sync we are. But <laughs> we talking about the, the parasite before the host, or the host before the parasite. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Well, we were talking about um, toxins, and I was sort of went down the rabbit hole of heavy metals, and I was just saying I came across some interesting research where. Uh, there was a there was a, a doctor, a scientist called uh, Dietrich Klinghart. He's a, a German guy, and he specialises in detox. But he talks a lot about the relationship between detox and parasites. and And he was saying a few interesting facts. He was saying that a parasite inside a host can uptake three hundred times the amount of toxins in its tissue than the host can. A and host human. Uh, is that what he means? Yeah, human yeah. or animal or any sort of uh, mammal, I guess, where right. where you've got like a parasitic burden. Yeah. And he was also saying his uh, theory, which makes a bit of sense, is that if someone is overburdened with parasites, it's more than likely that that is due to an overburden of toxicity, heavy metal toxicity, or some sort of um, probably a fat-soluble toxin. Mm. So his sort of hypothesis was that if you want to test for uh, toxicity in a host, because toxicity is really difficult to test for, like he talks about, you can do um, hair mineral analysis, you can do... um, testing of the feces, you can test urine, and usually a lot of people in the detox world like to test all three of those because testing just one isn't usually an accurate way of testing your, your um, level of like toxic burden. But he was saying possibly a more uh, accurate way to test is actually to test your parasitic burden, and then he draws a, um, like a relationship between if you've got a high level of parasites, you probably have a high level of toxicity and it's almost like a symbiotic relationship. And if mm. you have a low level of parasites, then you might not have too much of a um, toxic burden. So, interesting. Wow. So, that was a little rabbit hole that we went down right at the start of the show. But Well, yeah. that, I mean, that's what, <laughs> interestingly, Rue and I came in the car today and we went via a compounding pharmacy to pick up medication to remove parasites. And mm. A couple of our family members have. So, we're running through a protocol and... One of the things the functional medicine doctor talked about, well, I asked about was this uh, Herxheimer reaction, which is based on the fact that the parasites hold a lot of those toxic metals. And if you're killing the parasite, you are then releasing those toxins uh, into your bloodstream. And then it turns out you can have sort of it's almost like an allergic reaction where the, the toxins expose themselves. Uh, the doctor was saying that Sometimes the parasites don't present in any sort of fashion, but they can. So for us, it was sort of skin issues. And the doctor said, well, if you're getting skin issues before we kill the parasite, if we want, once we do kill the parasite, it could be that that Herxheimer reaction is some of the stuff that you have already been experiencing. So if it's gut problems, it might be that. If it's you know skin issues, it might, it might be that. But the protocol that she's got us on is is there's a lot of things to stop those or grab those toxins and excrete them as we go. Yeah, interesting. Mm. So you've got like a so you've got this protocol where you're going to kill the parasites with a pharmaceutical. Yep. Uh, and then what you're saying is then that she's going to support your uh, detox to help eliminate those 
if they do release. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think this um, diatomaceous earth and bentonite clay we're yep. talking about in the car, mm-hmm. you know, that they bind to the toxins, take them out of your body. I think activated charcoal is another one, but uh, I don't yep. know how. I don't know how accurate or effective is the word. They so, are. So based on the information that you guys have just said, so Smitty, the, the, a parasite can hold up to three hundred times more uh, toxins than the host. Uh, and then what you just said, Jonesy, about um, killing those parasites, but then also the toxins being released once that parasite has been destroyed. Mm. Is it beneficial then in some way to not detox or, or kill the parasite because that parasite's keeping in those toxins? And I, and I know it's not healthy to have a parasite, but parasites aren't always bad, are they? I mean... It depends who you ask, isn't it? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So is there, I mean, is there any sort of... Uh, some people suggest that they... Benefit in the, in the, in the parasite. Keeping them, yeah. Keeping some people the, say, you know, yep. you, don't, you don't need to get rid of them. Some people say... They can cause chronic health issues along the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Who, who knows, I guess? If, yeah, I think there's a lot of different um, takes on it, mm. obviously, and, and different um, functional medicine doctors like approach it from different angles. Yeah. And I have heard uh, some people saying that, like if you're not uh, really ready to detox and you've got some really good protocols in place, it's probably best to leave them. That's what I've heard some people say. Yeah. I've heard others say the best way to do it is actually to try and try and coax parasites out of more important areas of tissue. So like some parasites like to go into uh, like brain and uh, like spinal cord sort of tissue and stuff like that and, and your liver and sort of quite important areas. I've heard some doctors talking about trying to coax them into your gut and then trying to actually excrete them out of your gut while they're still alive so they don't release any toxin. Mm-hmm. And there's people that do protocols. I think there's a Russian protocol that some doctors came up with and they actually give you it was like a milk enema right into your yeah right. you know, into your bowel your yeah. colon back to the enemas back to the enemas <laughs> I've just got to think about it <laughs> and um sticking stuff in there but it was milk and it might have even had some other things like glucose or something added to it and you would hold it for like two hours right and apparently this formula that they've made up this sort of milk and these other um additives is like crack for these parasites, like they love it. Wow. So they will actively leave other areas of your body yeah. to go and try and get actually into the colon. Um, so they'll move the to the colon. Colon. Yeah. And then when you release that um, fluid, then you can be releasing a whole lot of parasites, obviously without them actually dying and going through that process of releasing the um, the heavy metals or whatever the, the toxins wow. that they're holding. Yeah, so right. yeah. It's a bloody rabbit hole. Like there's a yeah, lot of yeah. um well, this a lot of this theories. this doctor we went to, she was she sort of said, "You got to get rid of it." Yeah. Um, especially I guess for. Yeah, she was talking about uh, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, overgrowth as well, things like that. So, I think it um, it sort of messes with your. I don't know if it's glucose regulating sim- signals or something like that. That um, it's it's sort of craving sweet, sugary foods, causing you to you know want to eat those things, and then overeating, and then gaining weight, you know, or having large or, or higher than normal blood glucose and things like that. So, yeah, it's 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 interesting. 
it's a, it's an interesting one. It'd be interesting to hear about um, Mickey's uh, experiences with the colonic irrigation. I guess that would remove a lot of parasites as well. I guess would depending it? on what you're irrigating with. Right. If it's something they don't like, possibly the opposite. Mm. Okay. Perhaps. Yeah, right. Um, if it's something they don't like, so that means they'll go and find a part of the body that is not impacted by the irrigation. Is so I right? think this, this particular um, article I was reading when they were talking about using this milk with some other additives, I think it might have been glucose or something sweet, but don't quote me on that. Yeah. I think that was formulated because that's what they absolutely love to go to the most. So, so they will actively move into that area. And yeah, right. you did need to hold it for a couple of hours to you know give some of them time to actually get in there. Yeah. I'm, I'm just uh, sort of extrapolating now, but I guess if you put something in there that they hated, possibly they're not gonna they're not gonna leave other tissues they're already happy in to go into there right. because there's nothing to attract them. Does a colonic irrigation do a flushing process of parasites? I mean Mickey said he's on his way, he's running a little bit late today. Um, he's on his way, so we'll hook him in when he's when he's here. I'm just wondering, is that irrigation process a way of removing, uh, I know, parasites from the colon? or I don't think it's commonly used or known as a parasitic treatment. Okay. Are they a bit higher up in the intestinal tract? I don't don't know. So what's that colonic colonic irrigation removed then? Is it just like uh, unprocessed food? I think you're really giving your, exactly right, Right. giving your colon a really good clean out of any sort of old bits of, you know, fermented yeah. food and yeah, that's all sort of, sort of stuff. Just really giving yourself a good clean, I yeah. believe, what it is. Because it's under some sort of pressure, isn't it? Like, I've never had one of those. And no. I think maybe... I've never put anything in my button. Nah, no. No, <laughs> no. We, we have spoken about coffee um, we have. coffee enemas, which is a little, little bit different. And I haven't yeah. done one of those either. I'm probably... Keen well, I do remember on the coffee but... episode, my wife listened to our podcast and she said, I don't know how you're going to talk about coffee for an hour. <laughs> and then she got to the end with the coffee enema and went, oh, okay, the, that's that's the route you went down. Stick your yeah. fingers in your butt. Yep. So we've yeah. started off pretty um, scientific there, but yeah. for, the, for the average Joe Blow like me, um, looking into this detox thing. Mm. That's how I looked at it. We're, we're looking at removal of heavy metals, chemical compounds, even alcohol, uh, um, drugs even uh, from the body. But, I mean, I guess our body does it already naturally, doesn't it? So our liver is the, the main uh, detoxification organ in our mm-hmm. body. And you've got your kidneys, you've got your lymphatic system, um, what else, your colon, all that sort so, of area. So definitely your small intestine is, is massive. And some people argue the small intestine does as much detox as the liver. Is that right? Yep. Wow. Yeah, okay. And the liver's not storing those chemicals. You know, we talk no. about organ meats and why are you eating the the liver that's storing all those toxic metals. Well, it's not storing it there, it's processing it and getting yeah, rid of it. Yeah, it's essentially so. making enzymes and yeah. uh, doing other processes like uh, methylation and acetylation and stuff like that to try yeah. and help you excrete um, chemicals. But yeah, like you say, it's not a big storage sink of, it's not just sucking it all up yeah, and holding it in like is. a sponge to sort of keep you safe kind of thing. It's it's yeah. making the, it's doing your phase zero, one, two, three de- detox phases along with other organs to... Well, that's a good segue. Why did you want to discuss the phases or pathways of detox? Because oh. mine, mine are very general, is the ones that I want to talk about, sort of for the everyday man. Well, so you can go maybe on what an ancestral man would have done. For I'll really look forward to hearing Smitty's yeah. version of this because Smitty's got a, a lot more sort of um, scientific knowledge with regards to this sort of topic, and I'll really look forward to hearing what you've got to say. But I'll be coming from pretty much a... a um, the ancestral, everyday man's yep. point of view yep. uh, and just looking at lifestyle things because obviously our body does have its own 
organs that that do um, detoxify us, but we can also do some lifestyle things as well, can't oh, we? Yeah, totally. Yeah, and lifestyle is really important. And like I think when you talk about detox, the most important part of detox uh, really really is avoiding that toxic burden in the first place. Mm. Yeah, and then doing simple lifestyle things to to help you deal with them, like in the first instance. So, you know. Ideally, we don't want to be going down these complicated rabbit holes of, um, you know, more difficult lifestyle things, uh, supplements, um, removing parasite burden, and, and all the sort of complexity that comes with it. When the, the low-hanging fruit, the really easy, easy thing to do is to try and avoid as much toxicity as possible. Yeah. Mm. So, so lifestyle, you know, perfect. Yeah. When you um, walk into a chemist, and how many of these detox boxes are there for fifty dollars or whatever, and, and people just seem to be People just get on, think that they can just grab a detox thing from the chemist and and you know do it for a week and that's it. And in my opinion, most of those do nothing. Yeah. Or they might even be harmful. Yeah. And if and then we, we go back to uh, what we talk about as being free to help uh, our own individual health. Yeah. You know, you're spending a lot of money on something that's could be harmful or mm-hmm. it's not going to work. Yep. But what we're going to talk about these lifestyle practices. Um, are totally free and we've talked about fasting and fasting is probably exactly. one of the best things to do yep. to help detoxify your body. And how long do you reckon you'd have to fast? Up to three days, you reckon, for a good so, detox? Yeah. I think they talk about autophagy and some of the good stuff. One of, one of the good things is you're not giving your your body that you're always digesting. You know, the, the bro science of, you know, I've got to eat six meals a day, I've got to always be spiking my metabolism. We, you're giving your di- digestive tract a rest yeah, for yeah, one yeah. of them. Yes. So I, I think even an intermittent fast of 16, 16 hours, you're going to get some benefits. Okay. They, you know, they're talking about autophagy kicking in at what, pretty good at 48 hours, Yeah. really good at 72 hours. Yeah, second or third days when you start to get some and then mm. you go into that sort of deep autophagy at sort of five days. Yeah. So autophagy is the cleanup of cellular debris where, you know, your body's... Rather than having to digest food, it's got, well, I need something else to do. What am I going to do? Well, let's clean up a few broken cells, proteins, either recycle them or get rid of them. So if your body's not focusing on digestion, eating, it's got other things to do. Autophagy is that sort of cellular cleanup. Yeah. yeah, I I guess that's what one of the, I reckon that that would be happening all the time, wouldn't it? And then when it's got nothing to do, then... You know, you're focusing on on that. I reckon that would kick in. I guess the fasting soon. gives it a kickstart, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, and I reckon that would kick in soon after you've finished digesting. Your body will go, okay, well, what, what do I do now? Mm. Yeah, I think, I think like you said, it takes a while for autophagy to kick in. Mm. Like you can't just, I don't think your body starts doing it like a couple of hours after your last meal. I think you do need to have a decent uh, window, like you said. Yeah. Um, but the the... Stuff I came across, the fasting one is an interesting one because, you know, we're here, we're with a modern ancestral man and we're talking about like ancestral um, techniques for health and fasting has been a big part of mm. um, pretty much every culture. If you look at it, you know, it's always had some uh, religious or ceremonial or maybe just necessity sort of thing um, throughout the ages in, in pretty much all cultures. But there's one interesting argument, which is that if you go back to ancestral times, whether you're going back like 200 years or 2000 years or... 20,000 years, the world that they lived in is a very different world to the world we live in now. Yep. So our current world is extremely toxic. We've got all these man-made chemicals uh, that we never had. We've got a lot of pollution in our air, a lot of pollution in our water, uh, a lot of um, 
pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, etc., on our food. So there's a growing uh, group of people who'd argue that maybe deep fasting, like sort of your sort of five day water fast you talk about, actually might be um, might be not beneficial in the context of detox because you might actually release so many toxins into your bloodstream, but unless all your detox pathways are working immaculately and you have the ability to cope with that level, you're going to get a huge flood of toxins into your bloodstream and then that can actually have sort of liberated those out of your fat and then they might end up lodging in even worse areas like your brain. Wow. So sometimes if people are very toxic, there are a large body of uh, natural health practitioners in the in that space who don't rec- who don't recommend a long like a five day water fast because we're just too toxic now. Wow. Whereas if you go back a hundred, a thousand, ten thousand years, it was probably really really good that we didn't have all these man made chemicals and all these toxins that we're breathing. We're not breathing exhaust fumes and eating yeah. pesticides and yeah. doing that sort of stuff. So that's one interesting one. But um, I think like CJ said, and I agree, I think like uh, intermittent fasting and shorter fasts is like really really good. So getting that sort of autophagy, is that what you guys sort of came across? Or? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And well, if you think about it, if you think about it ancestrally, they talk about this um, metabolic winter hypothesis, mm. whereas where we evolved being cold and hungry, you know, you, you're shivering, you're always hungry. If you don't hunt your food or gather it, you don't eat. So we would have done days several days, probably two or three days, intermittent fasting, I reckon, a lot. So I reckon we've sort of evolved this way. And to accompany that, um, ancestral man would have uh, decided to live close to a water body because he obviously can't mm-hmm. go without water. So even if he, with fasting, he's going to be drinking water, if he, even if he's not eating, which is another perfect way to detox your body and it's probably one of the fastest ways because water carries toxins in your bloodstream and um, you, you piss it out. Uh, so drinking water is a simple, even modern way and, and it's got to be quality water. We're talking about, you know, nothing from plastic and nothing, well, it's something that's ideally been, um, uh, what do you call it, like separated from the mineral. Not purified. Sort of purified thing, a little yeah. bit more, yeah. Yep. Um, Ancestral man is not drinking from a plastic tub, is no, he? No, he's drinking flowing uh, water, man. Straight from the stream. Straight from the probably mountain. Not, probably f- grabbing a dose of uh, chlorine and fluoride in his yeah. water either. No. Probably no. full of parasites though, the water. Yeah. Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's yeah. two simple little things that modern pet man can do to help detoxify their body, as well as obviously avoiding toxins in itself. Yeah. Yep. So intermittent fasting and drinking water, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Pretty free. What about um, other liquids like, you know, you see vegetable smoothies, uh, lemon juice, those sort of things. Lemon juice and uh, apple cider vinegar and stuff like that is is super good. Yeah. So add to your water in the morning. Bone broth. That'll assist. Probably helps your gut. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, I mean, you need good good gut health, don't you? If you Mm. want to remain optimal level of health, so. Eliminating foods that are toxic, and we've talked about you know those, like, you know your, your fast foods and all that sort of stuff, and, yeah. and foods that are wrapped in PFOS or, or, or plastics, cooked at high heat with vegetable oils. Yeah, all your processed foods. Yeah. Yeah, we've we've talked about it several times. You cut out processed foods, you're going to cut out that vegetable oil burden. Yeah, there are ways to detox from that. We've we did talk about glycine. Helps you detox from 
we'll probably have to talk about glyphosate at a, on a, at another time, but that yeah. is also helping you get rid of glyphosate and oh, vegetable yeah. oil burdens. It still shits me to drive down the road and there are signs out in my neighbourhood where it says glyphosate spraying and there's all these little signs and there's dudes spraying this shit. It's criminal. In in the neighbourhood, you know. It's, on the path. Yeah. Got to get rid of the weeds on the path. Yeah. Like, I live cares? across the road from a park and they do it all the time. But I think you were saying earlier, mate, there's a shire in um, Perth that does steam, steam yeah. removal of weeds. So instead yeah. of pesticides, they use yeah. steam. Yeah. I know that along West Coast Highway there. Yeah. Um, so I think it might be the city of Stirling, but don't quote me. Yeah, right. Um, it might be all of them, but along the coast there, they seem to be reluctant to spray glyphosate, maybe because they know it's going to damage the bird life and the well, Maybe because of the waterways so and, to the coast yeah. and the wind is stronger and there's yeah. probably potential for spray. But we'll go down that rabbit hole another day, I think. Yeah, we'll, glyphosate, we'll you talk about, about that. that. Yeah. Well, I reckon glyphosate would be one of the most common uh, water-soluble toxins that we're exposed to. I'm mm. sure it is. Yeah. Because um, glyphosate's everywhere. Glyphosate is in our rain. Uh, so, like, I drink, uh, you know, tank water, so caught from the rain, but I know it's got glyphosate in it because yeah. the atmosphere has glyphosate in it, our air has glyphosate in it. And even organic food will test positive for glyphosate because they have to water it with something. Yeah. So, you know, if, if organic food gets rained on and the farmer 100 k's away has just done a big you know, aerial or ground spray spray of glyphosate, it's still going to get contaminated. So yeah. I think we've all got a burden of um, glyphosate and you're spot on, CJ. I think um, like glycine is one good way yeah. to, to detox um, glyphosate. Which is an amino acid. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. It's extremely cheap. Yeah. It doesn't really have any bad side effects. Can't really overdose on it. No, nah, and glycine also helps with a lot of other uh, detox enzymes. So a lot of detox enzymes made in our body are reliant on the amino acid glycine to make up part of their structure. And, and a lot of people um, are actually deficient in glycine because of our overburden of glyphosate. Yeah. So, I mean, I was looking on... Uh, so I just let me quantify what glyphosate is. It's the active yes. component in Roundup and a lot of weed killers. Exactly. Yeah. So people maybe don't know what that is. So there we go. It's a pesticide. Isn't pesticide, it? yeah. Yeah. Um, no, herbicide. Herbicide. It yep. um, doesn't get pest, yeah. It gets the herbs. Yeah. And it's. It, I heard someone talk on, I might have been on a Rogan podcast, the uh, Eastside is, um, means murder. or, or so, you know, so the word homicide means um, person's murder or death. <laughs> Everything else is like a herbicide. So you're killing herbs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a pesticide, you're killing pests. Yeah. All these sides yeah. are things that are... Killing things. Interesting. Well, we're going to do a glyphosate one, so I won't go down that road. Yeah. Well, but... yeah. What were you going to say, Smitty? Uh, oh, I was just saying, if you if you want to supplement with glyph- uh, uh, glycine, <laughs> it's very very cheap. Yeah, right. Uh, like I was looking on an Australian website last night, get a uh, bag of uh, I think it was two hundred and fifty grams of glycine powder for twelve bucks. Yeah. Okay. 12, twelve bucks Australian. Wow. Well, yeah. so and so it's not a bad one. So because uh, that's another thing that people can do is is use supplements um, yes. to help detox. So. Um, what does glycine do? So in the context of um, uh, Roundup or, or glyphosate, so the molecule of uh, glycine and the molecule of glyphosate are, are very, very similar in their structure. Right. So they, the body can get a bit confused and when your glycine levels are low and getting used up, you can actually get that replaced with glyphosate and it can kind of stay in your body for a little amount of time. Wow. 
So because the molecules are so similar, because your body similar, is thinking so it's that it's glycine. A little bit like a jigsaw puzzle and the pieces kind of fit. You can kind of hammer into the spot and they you know, yeah. kind of go in there yeah. for, for sort of like a layman's term. So yeah. a lot of people recommend uh, if you regularly take uh, the amino acid glycine and get your levels of glycine up nice and high, it'll assist your body to flush out that glyphosate. So it'll replace it. It'll put the glycine back in the right spot. And then once that glycine is sitting in the correct spot and it's being used for the correct things, then the glyphosate can get flushed out. So if you wow. look at some studies, um, we sort of assume most people have some sort of glyphosate burden in the Western world, yeah. uh, particularly people who don't eat um, you know, organic food and aren't very careful about what they're putting into their body. But regardless, if you start taking glycine and then you measure your, your urinary output of glyphosate um, itself and glyphosate metabolites, they'll climb once you start taking glycine. So it's showing that it's helping you excrete it. Wow. In other words, that's amazing, eh? That's a good one. Yeah. yeah, it's a goodie, and it's quite cheap, and there's really no downside to taking a bit of um, glycine. It's, it's a non-essential amino acid, so your body can make it. But the other good thing about taking glycine, because you sort of asked why you would take it, is it, it is also required to make detox enzymes, because um, detox is is you know there's definitely a big enzymatic process to it, and yeah. that's one of the components of a lot of the detox enzymes that you're required to make. So if you take glycine, you've got adequate levels of it. It's going to help you make more of those uh, enzymes to help you detox. So, yeah, right. So it's a, just a cheap, good one. Yeah. It's not one of those real fancy ones. You go to the pharmacist, you've got to pay 50 bucks for a little thing that lasts you a month or something like that. Yeah. You probably get a year's worth of glycine just about for, yeah, you know, 12 bucks or something like that. Yeah. You might take a gram a day or something like that. So maybe, you know, 250-gram bag, $12 might last you 250 days. Cheap. Another, so, another yeah. good one to supplement with if you're on the carnivore diet. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I reckon we'll do a podcast about carnivore. Yeah, I think if you, I think we're all pretty uh, fascinated with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, good for good for that as well. Definitely. Yeah. The methionine glycine ratio, or yeah, exactly, along those yeah, lines. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So muscle meat's got a lot of uh, methionine in it, and um, all your sort of connective tissue, sort of stuff containing a lot of collagen has a lot of glycine. You can get out of whack if you just eat. Yeah. Revise all the time. Right on. One of my little takeaways <laughs> from my research was that um, uh, it's, it's one thing to, to detox. Uh, so I, I take chlorella and spirulina, which mm-hmm. I think we talked about um, in our supplements um, podcast, uh, which are really good. They're, they're, they're like blue-green algae, and they're really good at binding to heavy metals and pesticides. But one thing I learned was that it's no point actually um, getting those things uh binded to without being able to release them mm. exactly so um that uh, what is it the um that clay the uh, bentonite, clay. bentonite clay um that binds to toxins um so that it's easy for your body it mops it up sort of much it's, soaks them up kind of soaks yeah. them up yeah and, it's, and then it helps your body expel them so it's not mm. not just about like taking something to to sort of you know bind to a Toxin, you've got to be able to have something to release it, get rid of it, yep. pick it up, mop it up, exactly, and excrete it. Yeah, because you don't want to just bind it and then it just continually circulates around in your body. Yeah, you want to actually be able to get rid of it. Yeah, yep. that's what I really found fascinating. And, and one thing I'll probably look at that bentonite clay, or what was that other one you mentioned, mate? The earth, diatomaceous earth, diatomaceous yeah. earth. I think you've um, got to get food grade. Of those mm. food grade, can't go and eat some clay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> some earth. you can get. They're, they're, it's fairly. It's fairly easy to get hold of. I think health food stores would have it. Yeah. yeah. You'd yeah. have it in a tea or something like that? Yeah, I think you can just dissolve it. Neck it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> have a teaspoon of it. And... But there's a lot of herbs as well that, I mean, I've, I've been very ignorant of herbs, but there's a lot mm. of herbs that can help with um, liver and kidney support. 
um, uh, also cleaning out lymphatic system and stuff like that. There's a whole list of herbs that you can um, you can look at for detox. Mm. Yeah, there sure is. Mm. Yep. I, I looked at a few ones that we'd actually looked at before. We've talked about them for various other things. So the, the hot cold therapy, so sauna, you know, sweating or getting sweat out of your body is a good way to detox. So obviously exercise helps you do that, but yep. sitting in the sauna will also do that. Yeah. Hey, speaking of sweat, I um I uh, read something here about um uh, bad breath and body odor and foul smelling stools. Uh, and it said here that um, body odor, bad breath, and foul-smelling stools are not normal, and in fact uh, indicate that you have sluggish digestion and a congested liver. Uh, it said bad breath is usually a symptom of uh, dysbiosis <laughs> uh, and a, a, an imbalance of the good and bad bacteria in the gut. But it also said, just on your thing about sweat, it said sweat itself does not smell. Body odor comes from skin bacteria breaking mm. down the sweat, released from sweat glands. If your body doesn't have a healthy balance of bacteria uh, due to a, a high toxic load, this might be why your sweat stinks. Mm-hmm. Mm. How interesting is that? Yeah. Very interesting. And yeah. it's, it is true because often, you know, when I'm working out and maybe I haven't got um, deodorant on or whatever, I sweat, but I don't stink. Mm. I mean, that's a good thing, but you know, yeah. then you have some people that just reek. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Might be to do with the deodorant they're using. Yeah. But because there's a lot of body signs and symptoms that your body's telling you that something's not going right inside. Yeah. So generally what you see on the outside is an indication of something not being right on the inside. And it's generally something to do with a toxic load. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. The same with um, energy levels. You know, yeah. people who are chronically fatigued and sluggish and just never have any energy. Yeah. There's a good chance that a, a component of that is that you've got a big toxic burden, you're overloaded. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got some um, toxins in there that are sort of really knocking around your mitochondria's ability to make energy. So little bugs that live in your cells, mitochondria, they make ATP and, you know, fuel your whole body essentially. Yeah. You know, if those guys have a toxic burden, they're not going to make as much energy. You feel sluggish, you know, so extrapolate that back. Yeah. Toxic burden. Well, detox. Another thing, another thing I read was a, 2000, a 2013 uh, investigation found that the presence of mycotoxins, which are stem from water-based mould, was a factor in over 90% of chronic fatigue causes. Mm. Yeah, there you go. Interesting. Mm. Another big one uh, for the fatigue going back to it is, is aluminium. Aluminium is, yeah. like a lot of people are overburdened with aluminium. If you do a hair mineral analysis or some sort of testing... Yeah, tons and tons of people and, and people I've seen have had really high aluminium levels. And a lot of it comes from personal care products, which we spoke about uh, in a recent uh, episode as well. You know, you're rolling deodorant onto your skin, yeah. contains aluminium. Yeah. Well, aluminium really knocks around your mitochondrial function. So if you're overburdened with aluminium, um, you're not going to have the energy levels that you could have. Yeah. Yeah. Man, dude, just spray that deodorant shit randomly. Mm. Oh, I can't I can't handle being in the change rooms where someone's just spraying it. Willy Lindley under their armpits with this crap that I've got to breathe in. You know, yeah. I leave. I can't. I cannot breathe it in. Do you think after reducing your load of those type of things, that when there is a smell like that, it is overbearing? Overbearing. Yeah. I've I've found now that I don't know if it's heightened my smell, but I can smell. Oh, there's some there's some perfume here. Oh, 
and someone might have left the room five minutes ago. You know, you can smell that overburdening links yeah. links Africa. Yeah. <laughs> How is it walking through the bloody uh, section of if you're in like a department store or something like that, like the the cosmetics and perfume section mm. i've got to get out of that place yeah. it's bad in there like Isn't it? i don't know how people yeah. would work in there yeah. i yeah. can even i can even smell washing powder mm. you know like if i've washed my clothes somewhere different to my home yep that's one thing we have to consider is it yeah the stuff we wash our clothes in and our, mm. and our dishes yeah also toxic yeah yeah 100 yeah Mate, cj you spoke about a really good one the other day dry brushing yeah, so I looked at. Expert on this. <laughs> I don't know about that. I looked at uh, sort of moving your lymph around mm. your body. Lymph obviously brings waste products back to the heart to get rid of them, clean clean it up, and the circulatory system obviously has your heart pumps your blood around your body, so it's got a, a mechanical pump that does it for you. The lymph, the lymph only moves around the body if we move. So if we're sedentary or at the desk all day that lymph is not moving around your body so one way to do that is dry skin brushing so you get sort of like a fairly uh, thick kind of brush like a big toothbrush and you're just sort of lightly brushing your skin sort of pushing trying to push the blood the the lymph back towards your heart so moving your lymph around so you're brushing like with your limbs, are you always brushing them like upwards towards your heart? Is that the yep. idea? Yeah, yep, same. Yeah, with your legs, um, sort of where the lymph nodes are, give them a little bit more of a, so you've got some sort of at the side of your cheek next to your ears, you've got some in your neck, near your groin, back of your knee. Um, so yeah, getting to those spots and giving them a light brush. It doesn't have to be really heavy, you know, it's just just a bit of a light brush and then <laughs> I know it sounds like a bit of a weirdo, but I do this and then I sort of do like, it's like a little half jump, get up on my, the balls of my feet and sort of slam down, not so that you're hurting your heels, but just to try and help that lymph get around your body. Yeah, well, I heard um, that, um, mate, um, like jumping on one of those little bounding trampoline things. Yeah, rebounding's the, the other one. Rebounding, yep. like a trampoline or even skipping. Yeah. Um, helps activate your lymphatic system. Yeah. So walking and running obviously is going to do that as well. If we're doing physical activity, that helps to move your lymph around. Mm. Uh, but, you know, if we're sitting down and we're not getting, sort of, some people get 1,500, 2,000 steps a day. You know, that's, that's not enough. They walk to their car, they drive to their car. They park their car as close as they can to their office. They walk to their office. They're sitting down at their desk all day. They walk home completely shattered. I'm not doing anything. I sit down. So that's not getting our – one of the things is they're not getting their lymph moving around to remove some of those waste products and build up of sitting down and eating probably a bad diet and those kind of things. So, yeah, rebounding, dry skin brushing, um, even sort of foam rolling and massage helps that yeah. fascia – Fascial release helps move the lymph around as well. So, you know, if it's on a you do it rooster, sit down in front of the TV and just get the foam roller out. You know, mm. it doesn't have to be a gym time. I know people like to go to the gym and foam roll. I, I don't see the point in that. I, I think it it's it's one of those things that you don't need to do at the gym. If you want to only go to the gym for an hour, you've got an hour to go there, yeah. and you want to foam roll for ten minutes. I don't think it's utilizing your time. Everyone's time poor. Do it in front of the TV when you're relaxed, and it's um, it's not 
it's not designed as a warm up kind of thing. Nah, the, you know, I'd, I'd probably use it cool at down. the end of a workout. Yeah, possibly a cool down. Just to maybe target some muscles that are, I can feel have, have been used or I, mm. I can feel might be a little bit sore yeah. tomorrow. Even that sort of self massage and those, you know, those massage guns sort of help a little bit, release a mm. bit of tension, a bit of toxin, and yeah. move that lymph back around back around your body. But I, I, I find that one quite interesting. I don't know whether it works. I, I feel like I haven't been too ill, and I think one of the that is one of the reasons. Because isn't um, if you've got a sludgy sort of like uh, lymphatic system, those toxins um, embed themselves into your joints and things like that, and that's how you get muscle and joint soreness, soreness. and things like gout. Mm. Gout gout's a, a, a response, isn't it, to toxicity or inflammation? Uh, it can be like uric acid crystal yeah, build up in your in your blood, so it can be caused by dietary things. Yeah, right. Yeah, other stuff like that. The other one I do. The other one I do when I'm doing my dry skin brushing and my uh, rebounding on the ground, not with a trampoline, is uh, coconut oil pulling. So I grab a tablespoon with coconut. Yeah. Oil. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a baby oil. Let's go to commercial. Yeah. <laughs> Why does it always have to be like that with you? Well, that could actually be a good um, lube, actually. <laughs> bit of coconut oil. Very natural. I guess, yeah. a, I guess at least it's uh, natural, yeah. It's yeah. organic. Yeah. yeah. Well, don't they say some of those lubes are horribly, like, petrochemical oh, laden? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Vaseline yeah. is Made of like crude oil waste, isn't it? Yeah. But anyway, getting back to my coconut oil pulling yeah. is not, not with masturbatory, no. David. Thank you for bringing it down a level. It is... Uh, so I take like a ta- teaspoon, tablespoon of coconut oil, let oh, it yeah. dissolve in my yeah. mouth and then swish it round. Yeah. So that's drawing out some of the toxins from teeth and cheeks yeah. and keeping the biome of my mouth healthy yeah. is the theory. Yeah. I was doing that for a while too, mate. It's, oh, yeah? It grossed me out a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so I sort of stopped doing it, but I should probably get back into it. Yeah. Uh, you put, it put it in your mouth for it five minutes, gross. they say five minutes, swish oh, it round. Because it's a bit heavy, it's a bit oily. You don't want to swallow it, obviously. Once you're done, you spit it out. Yeah. Because, you know, if it's taking any toxins out of your mouth and teeth and yeah. gums and whatnot, you don't want to be swallowing it. Oh, no. And you'd probably it. be pretty hard to... Let's go somewhere else now. With the... <laughs> so David's just brought it down a level of... Yeah. Anyway. I was just going to say, yeah. getting back to your uh, dry brushing, which I've never done, but I've heard is awesome. I've heard a lot of people talking about the combination of uh, dry brushing and then, like we spoke about, getting into a sauna. Oh, yeah. And yeah, yeah. I think all saunas have benefit, but the, the research I came up with, and you guys might be the same, is that your, your infrared saunas are by far the best uh, from a detox point of view. Oh, yeah. So if you've got a, like a full spectrum, far, middle, near, and then actually just red light infrared as well. What's the theory behind that? Because I would have thought that the the aim of the, the sauna is to sweat out the toxin. Yeah. So like if you've got um, like a like a steam sauna, obviously that's going to give you the most um, sweating. Yeah. And, and sweat is one way that we can definitely excrete uh, like water soluble um, toxins. But I think the theory behind the infrared saunas is that because the the infrared waves actually penetrate your body. You know, penetrate your skin and oh, go okay. in a certain yeah, amount. Right. It yep. actually promotes sweating of your small intestine. Whoa! And your small intestine will actually, essentially, sweat, and then you will be able to excrete that in your in your stools. Okay, right. In your bowel movement. So, I've heard a lot of people say that the small intestine, in, in a lot of ways, is a more valuable detox organ in some respects than, than the liver. Like it's super yeah, okay. important. 
super important. So That's interesting. It just works by a different method. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, if you're going to go after it 100%, you would obviously try and do, you know, something where you, maybe if you did some exercise and you sweated profusely, you know, then you want to wash all that off because the, the sweat can have the toxins in it. Mm. So if you've ever had a, a good sweat, whether it's in a sauna or exercise, you want to wash it off so you don't reabsorb any toxins that you're getting out. But then, yeah, I just I just saw some research about the combination of uh, dry brushing plus or minus some sort of trampolining or jumping and then into a sauna. Yep. Because um, you're getting that sort of internal sweating and an infrared. Okay, well, infrared. Yeah. So, yeah. well, that's interesting because uh, I've I've done some infrared sauna. I've done some traditional saunering, mm. and you, it took. I reckon I had to be in the infrared sauna a bit longer. That it wasn't quite as hot, and you didn't sweat as much as early. So I thought, you know, the traditional one when you bang yep. for your buck, you go in there, you sweat within the first sort of five to ten minutes, oh, yeah. and yeah. But that's interesting if the if the red light is penetrating. And yeah, working that, that's, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, because supposedly it does penetrate your skin a few yeah. centimetres sort of thing. So yeah, okay. um, yeah and, and the far infrared can promote sweating as well. So the far infrared oh, yeah, bulbs you, you get a sweat on. Yeah. And definitely nothing like what you were saying with yeah. the um, like sweaty sauna. But. Mm. Hmm. Mate, to support that lymphatic system um, activation that you were talking about with the, the, the brushing and the, and the light jumping and stuff like that, um, there's herbs as well, which I had a look at, um, which are really good at uh, stimulating the lymphatic system. There's nettle. Yeah. Uh, there's burdock root and red clover are all really uh, good at stimulating your lymphatic system. So if anyone's after a herb for that, um, there's a couple there. Interesting. Yeah. I already got into the herb thing. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Might actually start um, looking at maybe uh, supplementing with some. Getting on the herbals. Mm. Well, you, you take spirulina and yeah, chlorella. Yeah, yeah, They're but, pretty good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but. Well, we've talked about sleep um, in the past, and I've mentioned that uh, I have sort of interrupted sleep, like waking up in the middle of the night sometimes. And I've come across this information that I was looking at um, with, with uh, signs and symptoms of toxic buildup. And there was this uh, mention about insomnia, and it said every organ in the body has a peak time at which it performs most of its work. Like and a your circadian liver, rhythm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, your liver uh, is typically between 2 and 6 a.m. where it's doing most of its work. And so... Often 2 to 3 a.m. is the time that I wake up um, in the middle of the night. And it said here that if you're having trouble getting restful sleep or you are waking up uh, around those times, it could mean that your liver is struggling to detoxify. Right. So mm. I, I, interestingly, I'd heard that if you are sort of waking up at the same time, going back to our parasites at the very start, is is the if you're waking up, say, 4, 4, oh, 5, the same sort of time every morning, that's that's when parasites are having activity in your body, mm. laying eggs, whatever they do. Yeah, right. Multiplying. Having a party. Having a party. But then it, it sort of links into what you're saying there with maybe maybe the other detoxes are working overtime as well and, and wake you up. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Who knows what our body's doing, yeah. hey? But I think they're based on the moon. Is it the moon or the tide, the parasites? Something like those? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe look at a bit more liver care. I mean, I drink alcohol, so possibly... Not after, not after our podcast, surely. <laughs> well, I still do. You know, I, I drink, you know, maybe a glass of wine or whatever, and that's going to affect the performance of my liver, isn't it? So I maybe need to look at assisting my liver's deto mm. detoxification process. Yeah. With some herbs. Herbal. Herbs. Mm. Yeah. I'll tell you an interesting one I found with the herbs... 
particularly ones that uh, can support your liver and stuff like that. So uh, looking at things like milk thistle. Yeah. Um, people talk about um, curcumin, things like that. Yeah. Apparently they have um, a biphasic response. So, so biphasic meaning like if you take a little bit, they can be really good at supporting. And if you take too much, they can actually be detrimental and actually Ooh. knock around your detox. Yeah, right. Yeah. So how do you know? Is, how do you know how much to take? That's a million dollar question, isn't it? It's yeah. a bit complicated, this detox stuff. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, like you said, people like to think you can probably just go down to the chemist and buy a little bottle or something once a year and take it and, yeah, I'm looking after my detox. But yeah. it's actually like a little bit of a... I think it's a lifestyle. I think detox is a lifestyle these days. Yeah. So I think with all the toxicity we have, go back 100 years or even 50 years, you know, whether you detox or not, assuming you're quite well, you're probably sort of going to manage it reasonably well. But I think we live in such a toxic world now, whether we like to admit it or not. I think detox is actually a requirement to be healthy and, and mm. live a long life with lots of energy and, you know, good wellness. Yeah. And so, I guess, like you say, if... Um, abiding by measurements and dosages to avoid that, um, what do you call that, that biphasic yeah. um, factor. Simple things just like we talked about earlier, fasting and drinking good water. Yeah, They're your two best Using yep, some ways. hot cold, yeah, yeah. you can do some hot rebounding, cold, exercise. Rebounding. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're free things. and you don't have to worry about maybe doing it too much or doing it too less. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. exactly. What, you were talking to me before about the phases of detox. Yep. Do you want to touch on those? And just yeah, I'll, just, on you. I'll just touch on them briefly so we don't get too, don't put people to sleep. Uh, so <laughs> so you, you always hear about sort of like phase one and phase two, but yeah. some people also talk about phase zero and phase three. But they're quite important though, right? Because you were talking oh, about yeah. if we don't do them in certain ways and you don't, if you don't look at that, that toxic burden can end up 100%. in your brain or, you know. So if you really support uh, like phase one detox, but then like phase two and phase three is deficient, you're going to have big dramas. Mm. So so very briefly, uh, so phase zero, um, just one sentence, it's basically the toxin entering into your cell. Okay, so you've got toxin now that's inside your cell. Phase one is essentially we want to make all toxins water-soluble so they can be excreted. So when we look at toxins, we've got sort of fat-soluble and we've got water-soluble. So they're either stored in your fat and they're sort of harder to get rid of or water-soluble ones are quite easy. Like, like Rue said, drink lots of clean water and you sort of can excrete three kidneys and things like that. So phase one, you're kind of um, attaching a hydroxyl group and it's assisting your body to make that a water-soluble toxin. So now it's water-soluble, but it's, it's water-soluble, but now it's angry. So it's bouncing around inside your cell and it's doing damage. So it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to throw off you know, all, all sorts of damaging processes. So it's important that we support um, phase two. And phase two is, uh, it's essentially like conjugating it. So you're adding a group of something to it, sticking to it, so that it can essentially be excreted. Is that when we're talking about sort of diatomaceous earth or bentonite clay or spirulina? Yeah, exactly. Or, or it might even just or... be attaching a methyl group to it or oh, attaching okay, an yep, amino yep. acid group to it, like glycine. Yep. Or it, it can be a whole range of different things. Yep. And, and it's hard, easy to go down the rabbit hole and get confused, but that's like the very basic way of looking at it. Yeah. And then phase three essentially is actually excreting it. Right. Yeah. So if all that's working really well, yeah. then definitely like we can get through um, pumping a lot of uh, toxins out of our body. But if we're missing one of those steps or like a crucial um, mineral or something is missing from one of those, then, then we can definitely have dramas with it being it being not good. getting out of your body and then ending up elsewhere and causing more yeah, damage. Well, the, yeah, well, the last thing we want to do is like, you know, we do a sweet, sweet fast. We, we um, 
break down a lot of fat cells. Fat cells are going to contain a lot of fat-soluble toxins. Now they're bouncing around in our body. And then if we don't have all these phases of detox working really well, well, then maybe that's going to go from, you know, we're sitting in a fat cell on your ass, well, now it's going to go and lodge in your brain or something like that, even, yeah. even worse. So we want to make sure that we've got good good um, detox wellness, I guess. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's yeah. critical information. Yeah, yeah. That's that is really critical. Good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's easy to go down the rabbit hole and go, oh, fuck, it's too hard. Um, but it's not. I mean... Eat well, make sure you've got a good balance of, of minerals, maybe take some essential um, minerals and vitamins, which are really good at supporting uh, detoxification. And, and there are some more expensive supplements you can take that are really good, like um, citrus pectin is a really good one. It's a, a, a you know, pectin is contained in, um, you know, citrus and apples and things like that, but you can buy a specific supplement. It's a citrus pectin and it essentially can bind a lot of toxins and, and then help you excrete them. Yeah, right. So, um there's one, what's it called? Uh, Pectisol C, I've heard a lot of uh, people recommend. Yeah. Um, and there are cheaper brands, and it's, it's a citrus pectin. You eat it. Basically, it's this, you know, sort of plant-based product. Your toxins will stick to it, and then it helps you excrete them through your yeah, feces right. and stuff like that. So, so it's a little bit like the, good if you're like doing a heavy detox. Like the function of that bentonite clay. So uh, what yeah, are exactly, they called again, yeah. mate? Can you tell me make a note of those? Uh, citrus pectins. Citrus pectins. Yeah, so a lot of people recommend those. And yeah. you've got your sort of critical... Um, Minerals that will support detox, like magnesium is super, super important for detox and, and yeah. everyone talks about magnesium. It's it's involved in so many um, like enzymatic processes to, to help with detox and things like that. So yeah, you, right. you definitely want to make sure, like most people are deficient in magnesium um, if you just look at a broad spectrum of society. So maybe not the fit, vibrant, well people that listen to our podcast, but you know your average Joe maybe is quite low in magnesium. So it's a really important one for, for detox. Mm. Uh, and then, then people talk about zinc and some other ones like that. So... Um, yeah, there's definitely things you can do to yeah to assist as much as possible. Yeah, I think that 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 step. I don't know what, what what's the stage that you mentioned. Those four stages there. That bit where it's um the toxin is collected and removed is probably the most critical one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's no point yeah. no point having something to bind to the toxin and just not doing anything. You don't want it to just bouncing around inside your, the inside your body or inside a cell just, just causing yeah. absolute havoc. That's, yeah. that's a bit of a disaster. And that, I think that's where people can get in trouble. If you go, you know, awesome, I'm going to go, I'm really toxic. I'm going to do a five-day water fast. Um, you break down all these fat cells. They're all full of toxins. Yeah. You know, the toxins are in your bloodstream, but you don't have a good way of getting rid of them. Yeah. I think that can be a big drama. Yeah. I think that's where, like CJ made the really good point earlier, maybe some shorter fasts. You sort of do it in a couple of days, but you're not going into that really deep water fast territory or even a um, fasting mimicking diet like Volta Longo recommends, where you're sort of getting some calories coming in still, but you're, you're tricking your body, getting into autophagy, but but maybe you're not doing being quite as damaging as if you're just doing a water fast. So, yeah. yeah. So if a, a person can't really afford um, supplements that help or encourage that elimination process of the actual toxin once it's bound... Is, is just drinking good water a good way of flushing? So say you're talking about, you know, all these toxins floating around in your bloodstream now. It's a bloody good start. Is just drinking copious amounts of water, so you're pissing every half an hour, the way to do it? Yeah, maybe not so yeah. much that you're going <laughs> to, yeah. you know, just, just drink three litres of water a day. So yeah, right. If you're doing that, I think you, yeah. you know, drink good water, like maybe yeah. not out of a plastic bottle. Yeah. Just lifestyle changes. I mean, if you don't uptake it, you don't have to get rid of it, right? So if yeah. you're not... Um, like you said, you're not eating dirty fast food that's wrapped in a wrapper that's full of, um, you know, PFOS, those very persistent sort of lifetime chemicals. And probably the other one we didn't touch on is uh, blood donation. Yeah. You, know, you can really clean up your blood by getting rid of some of it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Give it to someone, someone else. else. <laughs> Give it to some other chump. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, right. Yeah, and you've gone down that rabbit hole, CJ, I think. Yeah, I, I kind of looked at, at that from a longevity mm. perspective, as in if you'd looked at what ancestral man would have done, you know, they're getting scraps, getting a few fights, a few punch-ups, lose a bit of blood. They're doing it via that pathway. We don't really do that anymore. We're not we're not going to war with the neighbouring tribe. There's a lot of, especially for males that don't often get rid of a lot of their blood. They have a high iron load, which can be toxic, can lead to cardiovascular problems. So yeah, getting rid of some of that blood and then getting rid of the bad stuff, I suppose, and then your your body is then making new new blood. It's uh, like a new lease on life, I suppose. Yeah, mm. and it's free. Yeah. They're game and, for it. They're, they're banging yeah. on. They and need you, blood all the time. So And you, it's a bit altruistic, isn't it? You know, you're helping someone out. They mm. uh, give you a little little uh, vegetable oil-laden biscuit or oh, fruitcake yeah. afterwards. And a, uh, a Mars bar. Yeah, Mars bar and some chocolate milk. You just got to avoid their attacks to try and make you just give plasma. Yeah. <laughs> you can't you avoid the plasma. You want to get rid of your blood, yeah. blood cells as well if you're a yeah. man and you want to reduce your iron. Well, they can spin it up, can't they? Take my plasma out after it's done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, do what they want after it's gone. Yeah, yeah. just don't give it back to me. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. It's a good one. Yeah, even drinking things like um, sil- silica-rich water yeah. Um, yeah. For, for aluminium. So silica uh, binds aluminium really well, and almost everybody has aluminium uh, burden. So uh, you guys come across Fiji water? Yes. Yeah, yeah Fiji water is taken from some artesian basin in Fiji, and it's super high in silica. It actually oh, says yeah. it on the back of the bottle. It actually gives you the silica rating. It's really high. And water with silica in it binds aluminium really well. So if you drink Fiji water and you've got really high uh, aluminium burden, um, yeah, right. you can reduce it. Wow. Try, try and find your Fiji water in a glass bottle. I think some parts of the world do it and some don't. Yeah, yeah, a lot of them are in plastic bottles. A lot of them are in plastic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but there are other silica-rich uh, waters around. Yeah. Or you can go to a compounding uh, pharmacist and get some silica made up and silica will bind aluminium really well. Yeah, doesn't, right. does, so it doesn't have to be expensive. Yeah. Well, not all of detox has to be expensive. Like it sounds complicated and expensive, but a lot of it can be pretty cheap. Yeah. Probably speak to your functional medicine doctor first. 100%. Also. Go, oh, go definitely. for someone that knows go a lot on. more than us. Yeah. Yeah. Just a disclaimer from us. The natural yeah. medicine yeah. to this. Yeah. 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 100%. Someone that yeah. you trust who's, um, yeah. 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 Or even go and um, there's some really good online courses. Yeah, yeah, if you yeah. want to uh, get some sort of worldwide experts, yeah, uh, there's definitely some people who put their whole career into detox. So some of them have written uh, really good books, uh, or have some really good online content that you can often find for for very cheap or free. Mm. You can get some really good ideas about uh, how how to go forward with it. Beautiful. But do it, do it in some yeah. way. I reckon. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely. important. It is important. How yeah. often do you need to do it? Do you think? All the time. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> Just live a clean life. Yeah. yeah. Try and make little steps towards it all the time. Yeah. yeah. Grab the occasional sauna, you know, sweat through exercise. Yeah. Eat clean. Yeah. You can afford to eat organic. Yeah. Bit of yeah. fasting every now and then. Drink food. Yeah. Uh, drink water. Yep. Exactly. Mm. Cool. Well, that's a pretty good way to finish, really. Yeah. It's an um, interesting one. The old, yeah. The old detox. Yeah. Pretty important. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Like, like you said at the start, it's... It, Ancestral man probably wouldn't have had to worry too much about it and, and would have done and had those natural pathways to get it done. But where in our modern environment, we definitely need to take some intervention. Mm, definitely. Go see your functional medicine doctor, get a little protocol happening. Yeah, definitely. Listen to someone smarter than us and 
definitely do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but a little online course might be a good idea. Yeah, yeah. some of them are. Uh, I mean, sometimes you can even just listen to a really good YouTube video. If you find someone who seems extremely credible, yeah, sometimes they have some really good content. Um, you know, PubMed is a free resource if yeah. you want to really get into the science of it. If you're a bit nerdy, um, might be a PubMed action yeah, from time to time. Probably, you know, a quarter or maybe a half of the articles on PubMed are free. Yeah. You can read as much science as you want. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, we've got our Instagram page up and running, so get on there, give us a follow. We'll put in a few little nuggets of gold and you know, little two-minute snippet and the Definitely email. some nuggets of gold in this one. Yeah. 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 Definitely. The email, modernancestralman at gmail.com. There's a link at our Instagram page too. So, cool. Yeah, we're up and about with our modern technologies. Yeah. Ooh. We're going to break that top 100 in Belgium. So, yeah. <laughs> keep going. <laughs> keep doing what we're doing. Do Put your VPN yeah. onto Belgium. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get oh. your air guitars ready. Oh, here it comes. Enjoy the week. We'll see you next week. Thanks, 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 Th